All right, ready? Everybody ready? Because we gave producer Jack a little something to uh, get things started. And now we can play the fun music and... Howdy, welcome to Managing Expectations, the podcast for interesting people to listen to other interesting people about interesting things. Uh, this is our uh, semi-regular um, uh, book club edition where we've read Rex Stout's Fair de Lance, which you will hear pronounced about 17 different ways before the end of the, the show. With me, as always, is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. I, I do have to say, I think that I might be in the wrong room because I read Ferdinand, the children's book, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was wondering how we were going to spend a half or an hour talking about uh, a picture book, but <laughs> I'll muddle my way through this. Uh, joining us uh, <laughs> by popular demand are special guests and friends of Managing Expectations. Uh, Tirza Major in from uh, outside Kansas City. Howdy, Tirza. Good afternoon. And uh, uh, coming to us uh, by way of uh, Long Island, by way of Houston, Texas, uh, is Emily Fry. Howdy, Emily. Hello. So uh, uh, regular <laughs> listener uh, knows that uh, we, <laughs> we had uh, uh, these two uh, uh, mystery-solving uh, grannies with us uh, the last time we reviewed a book, which was John D. McDonald's Deep Blue Goodbye. Uh, that was, uh, uh, that book was... Uh, Something. Uh, also known as trash. Split, <laughs> split, split among uh, generational and... Um, uh, genre line uh, uh genre uh, gender lines so um was anybody um uh disappointed that uh, archie goodwin uh, didn't uh quote kidnap or uh, rescue a, a damsel in this one i know i was nobody took quite a few of them on little drives around the park never offered them to drive <laughs> okay, so um, Fair de Lance is, is uh, the name of a deadly viper. Uh, it, it's, it's, a French, it's a French term, which means something like uh, tip of the spear, something like that. Did you guys get that? I, okay. Iron of the spear. Okay. No, or, I, did, I did not pick up on that. that Was that in the book? Or is that extracurricular? 
knowledge. Uh, it might have been on the Wikipedia page, which Brian and I might have just touched <laughs> touched up on uh, just to make sure that we were thinking right. Making sure, yeah, making sure that I got the point of the book. Yeah. Right. Right. Do, okay. So, so really, youngsters will never buy Cliff Notes again. Is that is that is that about right? Probably. Yeah. Just Google it. Yeah, but Google doesn't have all the answers. But That's yeah, true. I should think not. Well, we're gonna find out. Okay. So, so <laughs> uh, uh, Rex Stout uh, was born in Indiana. Uh, he wrote in the early to mid part of the 20th century. Uh, he he uh, published uh, stories in magazines the way a lot of writers did. And then he started publishing uh, these mysteries, which were a big hit. They were um, uh, popular successes and they were um, not critically panned. Uh, so um, I think it's interesting that uh, Fair de Lance was uh, written just a few years after The Great Gatsby. And so you see, you know, literary fiction contrasted with uh, um, genre fiction, right? With like the rich people uh, who live upstate uh, of, out of New York City. So he's like, you know, taking a Nero Wolf's r roadster to uh, Terrytown, for example, um, uh, up the Hudson River Valley, uh, you know, but but like the country club set, the smart set, as it were. All right, who wants to kick us off? Uh, who who is Nero Wolf? He's it's a Nero Wolf mystery. Who can anybody describe Nero Wolf for us? And maybe we could like just have like uh, like say you were doing it to school children before you before you start in with what you really think well he's like he's the sherlock holmes figure right and he's this uh i guess decadent guy with skeletons in the closet you learn more about that as you go along very very intelligent doesn't like to go anywhere i guess he's like agoraphobic in a lot of ways. Um, but I was not clear about how Archie and Nero knew each other. But Nero doesn't do anything, go anywhere. Archie does all the legwork. Yeah, I'm not sure he's afraid to leave the house. I think he may just hate humanity so much that he doesn't want to leave the house. Because um, he can like predict everything everybody's going to do. He's bored by everything, I think. <laughs> So, so at one point, uh, Archie, his assistant, his secretary, his guy Friday, uh, calls him an eccentric genius. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, so kind of like the Sherlock Holmes who knows everything, you know, and just can't believe anybody else is so stupid that they don't see it. It's so plain. All right. Uh, Aunt Emily, would you like to tell us about Archie? Uh, he's a poor sap who just does all the work for the so-called main character. But he's a he's a charming little fellow. He's got some manners. 
you know, better than what? Why did? Why is he a poor sap? Because I just feel like he's getting roped into doing uh, Nero Wolf's chores. I don't see Archie bringing in the check to himself, but he did most of the work. So do you only? So you only get to have the mysteries. You only get to be the hero in the mystery if, if you're the. If, if you, you get paid. Yeah. I yeah. mean, okay. Well, he does get paid. He's an employee. Well, yeah, but like not really. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Really. He's got a place to live. He's got a place to eat and drink milk. He, all the milk. Yeah, all I was the milk say, he can get his hands on. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like he's eating too good. And that apartment sounds bare. Oh, but the chef, though, there's like a professional. Chris. Yeah. I was like, hey, I would work to have a professional culinary French chef. You know, that was motivating him to get home a couple of times to get things done and get home so that he could get to dinner at Fritz's that dinner. cup of milk is just sitting on the <laughs> table for him yeah Fritz Fritz is actually the the chef is German isn't he is he German I, I, don't I thought remember. he was I, French with a name like Fritz well I, the food the food he was making sounded French to me yeah he said he had like a French accent I thought in the early from chapter. the the French German border okay uh, yeah. Oh, uh, what's uh, Alsace Lorraine? Nice, Brian. Bring in the classy geography. Yeah. Wow. And girls, thank you for not scaring Brian away yet. Uh, we've been at this <laughs> for several minutes. Brian, Brian's still participating, so that's outstanding. <laughs> okay. At full disclosure, I really read this way too long ago. I should have waited till we were closer to recording. Like Brian. So as yeah, right. exactly. As you talk, I will remember. <laughs> well, so so there were you got to okay. So this was written, I think, in 1933, early 30s, and I think it, it was actually developed from a short story that he published in uh, a magazine even earlier than that. So. Um, it, it is kind of interesting uh, what a different world it was. Um, uh, everything from dri <laughs> you know, driving. I mean, have you guys ever seen a roadster from, you know, the 1930s? I mean, it was like, I mean, there were like jalopies and then there were like these extravagantly gorgeous cars that are frankly nicer than my living room probably were like really loud and um inefficient I, I have no idea what they would have how they would have burned gas you know but from, from the time when there were drivers you know when, when you like had a chauffeur chauffeur yeah i mean even in the brian is chauffeur <laughs> <laughs> wore a chapeau over his coiffeur and I am rolling. Yeah, Jeff, you, you do speak French. <laughs> oh, like there were a lot of characters in this book. A lot of characters. Mm -hmm. 
and it just kind of dumped me into it and I was I even had to like because I started reading it and then I started listening to it I have to go back and be like who is this and where and then when they would come back at the end of the book I couldn't remember they were kind of not important like yeah some of them some of them like you'd have to really be paying attention yeah but I thought it was I it was I thought it was tough um it was tough to get into it and then tough to, to keep track of who was who, because there seemed to be several characters who were maybe very similar, but then one would do something completely different. You're like, hold on a second. I thought this was somebody else. Um, from just perspective of reading, I liked our first book better. <laughs> but... <laughs> This one wasn't nearly as controversial, so I was relieved from that standpoint. <laughs> yeah, we got to the end of the book, and I was like, oh, two people got murdered? That wasn't even clear to me. Maybe we should be cool about not giving spoilers to people who haven't read it. Because, right. because if you're thinking, well, they've had 90 years to read it, this, the same really could have been said about us. If you think about it. And I'm gonna save them the time, don't bother. <laughs> you can find another cozy mystery with a little more pizzazz. This one's good to drink a cup of milk and go to bed. Okay. So so the only reason we're reading anything, the only reason there's a book club is because Emily ingratiated herself into the Managing Expectations broadcast family. And so far, she has been hugely disappointed with everything we've done so far. So you are real, you really are a dream walking. Okay. So <laughs> um, maybe we could just grit our teeth and get through Fair to Lance by Rex Stout. And then we can talk about whatever you want to read next, okay? Like, I, you know, I, I like, okay, so like, I liked Archie Goodwin. I, I think that he had, I mean, he was a tough guy, I think, um, but but with a good heart. I mean, he wasn't a, a, a sadist. He didn't look down on everybody else. He had a job. I, I think that there is, in um, literature, there is, um room for uh the, the the character who is in service of somebody else certainly the japanese have this right the samurai serve the master and and uh you know in america it's more of a rugged individualist uh, mickey spillane would come along 20 25 years later with mike hammer he was a lone gunslinger uh, actually, he had a partner, but he got murdered in the first book. Uh, Sam Spade's um, uh, partner got got murdered. Uh, the The cowboy genre was a lone gunslinger in the. Um, you know, Shane was alone. Uh, John Wayne's Hondo was alone. Uh, so, um, but but I do think it's interesting that Goodwin works best with with wolf doing the thinking um archie's the man of action and wolf is the intellect who 
and 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 uh, you know again i i think archie is a good guy and uh, uh i found there's a there's a essay by a guy named michael kelly i'm going to read something about archie goodwin from that uh before we go but um you know i i, I liked him i mean i i think i i don't know that we learn it in this book but i'm under the impression that he was probably a veteran of the great war or world war one um came back and you know he's a private eye i i like some of his i, I think some of his tough guy patter was fun okay and i have some examples here um uh let's see uh when when um uh the woman comes to uh enlist wolf's help about the murder of her brother uh he says uh, uh she told her tale quick and straight thought that was kind of tough guy um um I think there was a, there was a, um, okay, so this is a better example. Um, ordinarily, if I have cause to suspect that a man is yellow, as far as I'm concerned, he can eat at another table. <laughs> yeah, I like Archie. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And, and he was, I mean, he's smart in the same way that John Watson's smart, right? They have, capabilities they can go out and do things they can figure things out but they're not in the same categorization as like the Nero wolf but or I Sherlock just Holmes. or Sherlock Holmes right but I just didn't understand and maybe this is it's because it's a product of its time like what drew them together and maybe I'm just used to a different type of storytelling but I kept expecting some reason to understand their connection their friendship why Archie lived there what was the reason for his devotion to Nero I'm sure that's in another book further down the line I just think too it's just from my perspective I didn't even think of that because I just feel like if you live in an apartment in the city you just know your neighbors and you that I don't know you do stuff with them or for them doesn't necessarily mean friendship. So I could definitely picture this young dude messing around with this old dude with no, you know, seeing what he's up to today and just like kind of getting in the Nero's mess. Not necessarily it, like. Well, except it's not like he was just hanging out like, oh, hey, you need me to do something? And I mean, maybe, maybe that's how in it my started. Head, in right? my head, they're like a part. Like their rooms were like above and below. So like, I just assumed it was like two rooms near each other. I yeah, didn't get the picture that they were like living together. Well, not together together though. Though I think, I think Rex Stout was gay. So I don't know if there were that, if, if, if there's like a subtext, but uh, well, actually at, at one point, um, let's see. Uh, this was um, about the time he, uh, he says, uh, Archie says something like, um, she ever wanted to start a broken hearts club. If I, if I wasn't so busy, I might 
I might uh, stand in line. I, I, I can't, let me, let me see if I can find it. If she ever started a clinic for broken hearts, I'd be the first in line. I thought that was, that was a good line too. There's also a really great, totally uh, not politically correct line about um, Wolf was surprised that Archie was gonna go out in the rain like leave the house he's like he, he's like kind of surprised he's gonna leave the house at all because wolf would never leave the house plus it was raining and 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 archie says what what am i the chinese army which i think in 1933 you you could say that because the chinese army was not what it is say today uh we might make a joke about say the effectiveness of the italian or french armies uh, or, you know, I, I worked with a guy who was in the American army and when he saw somebody else with their hands in their pockets, he'd say, um, what are you in the air force? Take your hands out of your pockets. You know? So, I mean, there's a, there's a good natured ribbing that, uh, goes along with, um, uh, people who are unwilling to, uh, get their hands dirty or, or make uh, small or great sacrifices for the for the for the cause um i didn't even get that reference so you remember I it I, I sort of but i remembered I, it but I, I don't understand what it meant yeah i didn't either i just kind of well you're saying on. what am i afraid to go out in the rain yeah i, mean, I, look, I, I get I, it now i know i i i've known guys I've known, okay, so uh, now this is totally a side point and, and there is a case to be made for the South Vietnamese army uh, having been maligned, having about the South, the, the, the soldiers of the South Vietnamese army having fought bravely and tried to defend their homeland from a Stalinist takeover. Um, but I know, and I've been friends with GIs American GIs who didn't think much of uh, the South v Vietnamese uh, um, military, and um, so so they would make he would make uh, one friend in particular would make cracks about you know not wanting to go out if it was too hot or too cold or too rainy or too dry, <laughs> which is you know essentially ever, you know. <laughs> Life in the army is just better if you just get to hang around the the, the camp. Yeah. yeah. So Brian, you want to summarize the plot for us? So uh, somebody has been murdered. He is a uh, um, the brother of a woman who comes to uh, to Nero Wolf, and she was a friend of Archie somehow. I mean, they, they were connected in some way. Is that right? I think there was a, there was a guy who worked for um, Wolf sometimes and his wife was friends with the Italian woman. So the Italian woman, uh, she's concerned because her brother has gone missing. Um, and she doesn't have much money to, uh, to get help, but uh, Nero Wolf, agrees to to take it on uh, and even if she's if the, the man that happens to be dead he's still going to collect in some way and, and and it should be noted that that wolf's primary motivation seems to be money 
in 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 taking cases at all. Well, yeah, because I think you know, if in that line of work, you're probably approached by a lot of people that need help, but can't pay you. So uh, you you take the ones where you're going to get paid. And his money goes straight to those expensive rare flowers that <laughs> he absolutely needs. So and. <laughs> 65 cases of beer. A lot right. of beer. Lots of beer, lots of milk, lots of flowers. Hey, that doesn't sound bad. I can think <laughs> of worse things to spend your money on. <laughs> Ryan, you're, you may continue. Uh, so... <laughs> so they try to find out what happens to this guy... Um, there are s several characters involved. What you got there, Jeff? Not 5.3 ounces of yogurt, that's for sure. That, that doesn't look like a small one. Is that a big, is that a big, is that a big gulp? Ryan, we've talked before <laughs> about how we no longer drink. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that ang anxious eating is out of my uh, life. <laughs> those, are, those are different meetings and not ones that I've graduated towards. Yeah. So uh, there's. Okay. So, so in getting the, so in getting the woman to, 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 to think about it, it, Wolf is able to link the murder or the disappearance of the woman's brother with the unexpected, untimely death of a college president. Right? Correct. Yep. I, it seemed like you needed some help with the transition. I just wanted to give you a little boost there, buddy. Then what happens? Um. So it turns out that the uh, college president was killed um, through like a dart or maybe a, a poison jab. And uh, the, the, the lost brother was killed in a, in a similar way once they discover that. Is that right? Oh, I thought he was stabbed. Yeah. With like a knife. Not poison. Which was it? Girls? A knife. Yeah. I think In the back, just... yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so uh, okay, so obviously I got, <laughs> I got further through the book than Brian. Um, <laughs> and then, and then. Do you ever see, do you ever see Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell introducing uh, movies at the Golden Globes? And like their whole bit, their whole shtick was like they hadn't seen any of the movies. And so they were like, just like really excited and just real enthusiastic. And then they were like, and then they said, you get away from here. Well, that, that's what I was going to say is that then they, then they go to Argentina and that leads Wolf and and Archie to conclude that Manuel intended to kill the father. Whoa, let's just take, you know what? We, we're gonna have to put spoiler alerts all over this, all over the show notes. 
It's the journey. It's not the destination. Right. Is that yeah. true, girls? Ladies? Yeah. Women? Wimex? I think so. I mean, most of the time, I Google the end of the book just so I'm not filled with anxiety of, like, are they going to catch it? The bad guy. <laughs> really? So, like, I know really? kind of what the ending is, but I like to see how they get there. Do you, do you flip to the end of the book before you get there? Do you read the last page? Yeah, I need to know. I need to read the wow. last chapter before I... I'm wow. not in for surprise. So, is it sure. possible that you're not emotionally tough enough for a cozy mystery like we've been reading believe it or not murder she wrote's a little too terrifying for me <laughs> emily emily was just about to say uh the next cozy mystery we read as a book club will be the first one <laughs> yeah much. this is this is I, I see and i can't imagine reading anything tamer than this I mean, there's no, there's no gratuitous sex or violence. There was, yeah, but there were some like exciting-ish parts. I mean, spoiler alert or whatever, but when they realize that the sister is holding on to all that information and they stage that robbery to get like the that was paper great. she's been holding on to and that, that right? I was, I was impressed. But I mean, that's yeah, and then slicey dicey. Yeah, that one guy was so irritated because she got a good, she got a good jab in, and then he's like, yeah, "Oh, I thought this was gonna be easier." <laughs> the people they hired are some like street cigar, rough tough men. So like, who knows if they're gonna just flip the script? Yeah, you you really know the lingo because they're called. <laughs> yeah. They're called street cigar rough tough men. There you go. In fact, in fact, I think you're quoting Archie there. I that's I think true. So but yeah, I mean, there were some uh things and then you're not ready for the plane to go down with an innocent man aboard. See, you and I, okay, so Emily and I were talking about this uh, uh, pregame. Uh, I think that the father felt guilty for his, his, his failure as, as a father and, and other things. I, I mean, he, was a, he, he, he appeared to be a big winner in the game of life, but otherwise you know, had so, to. Because he felt guilty that he thinks he was a bad father figure, uh, he should just end, end it all in a plane crash with his son. I think he was going to give in. I think he thought he was right to want to kill him because he was warned by Nero. He was it was explained to him by Archie exactly what was ha going to happen. You know that that the motivation, the the realization that this is what's going on, and he wouldn't accept yeah, it. And I mean, that I still have a problem with because they knew it was going to happen, and they're just like, "Eh, that's how it is." Well, what did you want him to do? Kidnap him? 
nurse him back to health. I think that we know how your feelings are. I think we know how you feel about rescues of that nature. (laughs) But it was the guy, it was the dad's, I can't remember his name, but the, the, uh, the victim. Barstow? Barstow, yeah. It was his decision. He knew how his son felt about him. And he, no matter how justified he felt, he surely felt guilty for murdering two people. You, you think Manuel? It's, you yeah. think Manuel felt remorse? No, the dad. Oh, I mean, I. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it would be. I don't, it would be an actual cozy mystery if it was wrapped up where the dude just went to jail and the dad went to therapy and you know figured things out. But <laughs> and, and you think that would have made kind for of like book, how Emily? this? Huh. You think that would have made for a better book, better story? No, 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 probably it's, it's not. I think it would have been a little cozier. It would have been the like cliche murder she wrote, Columbo mashup I needed, but I think that's kind of what makes Nero Wolf a little interesting is he's, he's not going to go to the DA and be like, this is the bad guy. Put him to the judge. But you're just like, yeah, let him die. We collect our money, Archie. Let's go pick up a or Hey, um, I don't know. Uh, is, have you upgraded your 14.4 modem to a 28.8? Um, just um, is it working now it's a little better now yeah okay, okay great well, okay so yeah what did you yeah yeah so have have your roommate hold the uh uh, have the aluminum foil but uh, uh, <laughs> rabbit ears <laughs> a little further a little closer to the window right <laughs> well see I okay I, I well, like it. I uh, gotta get the internet guy this weekend but okay okay so I liked I liked it I liked Stout's type of writing um um i liked i i i you know I, I thought it moved along at a pretty good clip um i don't really like nero wolf but i like archie goodwin right um uh for those for those who remember my omar sharif slash uh ernest borgnine uh current status um He's uh, he he stops in at the DA's office and the uh, receptionist uh, remembers him, and Archie says, "When the time comes that they stop remembering you, it means that your pan is losing its shine." <laughs> but that was pretty great. Um, uh, they'll ha- they'll have you looking in the dictionary for a better word than nuisance, um, as if someone had just told him a funny story, but he had a toothache. 
Um, uh, I, I thought this was interesting. A Corbett or some other flat-footed Myrmidon in the anteroom. Um, a Myrmidon is like a, like a government functionary. The Russian word would be apparatchik, but I thought Myrmidon was a great word. Um, he said, uh, uh, if he was my son, I'd send him on a trip around the world and build a fence across the Pacific Ocean so he couldn't get through. But that was good. I remember uh, oh, that line. Does anybody, does anybody remember when Wolf wanted to uh, talk to the four caddies who happened to be minor children in school? <laughs> and so Archie goes and picks him up and says, hey, you want to go for a ride in a roadster into New York City? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, one, that, that part didn't age that well. Um, uh, but he tells one of the boys, you have learned to accept the commonplace. You must yet learn not to exclude the bizarre. I thought that was terrific. Um, um, let's see. The one that she, when he says her heart is closed by venom by its own sweetness. I thought that one was good. What was it? Yeah, I guess you don't remember that part. Her what heart is closed to venom by its own sweetness. Oh, that's kind of a nice line. I, re I remember that too. Yeah. It had more, it had so, more. So uh, before pizzazz, questioning, before questioning the school age boys, Wolf asks Archie, what do boys of that age eat? He says, they eat everything. Tell Fritz to have that. <laughs> uh, okay, he says, uh, it wouldn't break any furniture if you just handed him this note. I, I like that. Hey, it's not gonna break any furniture. Um, everything done in the place was on a high level, including making out the patient's bills. No, is this no, nobody's uh... That last one was a, a dud. <laughs> You're too darned honest, Emily. If you don't watch out, you'll get a job in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh... All right. Well, anyway, there's only there's one other thing. I, 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 there's one other that I can't really find right now. But he goes up to a cop, who he calls a flatfoot, which is what they used to call cops, right? Uh, that's street slang, like cigar, sidewalk, tough cigar. guy, rough, tough, rough, tough, yeah. rough, tough. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Goodwin asked, Archie asked him a question and the cop says something like, all I know is I'm standing right here. I just, I mean, so there was, I think, I think there was probably, and, and you see it in old movies, right? Like when they like come in and they're like, they do the really fast pitter patter. And some of that is a contrivance for cinema or the stage. But I think that there was a way of talking. And I think that if you know 50 or 75 years in the future they were they would write stories about our time you know people would be like i'm like i don't even believe this and he was like uh and 
whatever. You know, we, 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 we adopt patterns of speech and I'm not sure that our time will uh, re reflect well on us, but. It's lit, man. It's lit, man. Have you seen, have you seen that video that, that dis describes the difference between yeah, no, yeah, and no, yes. yeah, no, <laughs> and yeah, no? Uh, no, I'm just familiar with Gary Goldman's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gary Goldman pulled that when Did she he? says, what? I, I haven't, I haven't seen Gary Goldman do that. It's one, it was, so before the Great Depression, which you and I have both um, shared, uh, watched, um, he did, um, he was famous for two things. One is the abbreviation of the states. And the other one was this trip to Trader Joe's. And yes. I have seen that. I forgot it, that was his name. It was epic. And yeah. so the lady says, no yeah and he goes yeah no <laughs> so anyway there's a video I, I didn't know that there was a video making the point yeah it's it's uh it's pretty good it's like what it's like a minute and a half or something like that and uh somebody breaks down uh what each one of those phrases mean and it's it's good and like you said i imagine in 50 75 years people will be like nobody really talk like that but yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, we did. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, would you would you guys recommend this book? Would you read another Rex Stout book? I'd read another one. Yeah, I feel like I have read other ones of his, but I know as the series goes on, they get a lot better. So. Go for the later ones. Well, later on, they're written by, uh, so so Stout dies, and then they're written by a guy named Goldsmith just to keep the franchise going. We don't have to go that far into it, but the, his, like, the, if I remember correctly, his sidekicks that set up that fake robbery have more, more, playing power and it's a little bit better uh i i would read i would i would take rex stout on vacation i mean like i said okay so so maybe it's time all right so michael kelly was um a journalist he'd written for like the new republic he wrote for um he was the editor of Atlantic, the Atlantic Monthly. And then when, um, after 9-11, when the Americans invaded Iraq, he was embedded with American troops and he died when his Humvee crashed in a ravine. But he was a very, very fine writer. And on the death of Frank Sinatra, he wrote an essay called the King of Cool, um, which is great. It's really terrific writing. Um, but um, he writes, uh, he, he wrote the following. He said, 
in America, before Frank, there was no cool. There was smart, as in the smart set, and urbane, and sophisticated, and fast, and hip. But these things were not the same as cool. The pre-Frank hip guy, the model of aesthetic and moral superiority to which men aspired, is the American male of the 1930s and 1940s. He is Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep or Casablanca, or Archie Goodwin in Rex Stout's Nero Wolf novels. He possesses an outward cynicism, but this is understood to be merely clothing. At his core, he is a square. He fights a lot, generally on the side of the underdog. He is willing to die for his beliefs, and his beliefs are, although he takes pains to hide it, old-fashioned. He believes in truth, justice, the American way, and love. He is on the side of the law, except where the law is crooked. He is not taken in by jingoism, but he is himself a patriot. When there is a war, he goes to it. He is, after his fashion, a gentleman, and in a quite modern manner, a sexual egalitarian. He is forthright contemptuous of dishonesty in all its forms, from posing to lying. He confronts his enemies openly and fairly, even if he might lose. He is honorable and virtuous, although he is properly suspicious of men who talk about honor and virtue. He may be world weary, but he is not ironic. Isn't that great? Yeah, and I think actually it is Archie Goodwin, if you really, yeah. Yeah. I think that describes him pretty. And that's why I kind of like Archie. That's why I like Archie. Because he, I, I, I could see him being. Um, I played by Bogart, I guess, you know, um, you know, you, you think of Rick Blaine in Casablanca, you know, he, he, you know, he was a tough guy. He know he knows that the world is a rough place, but you know, he had a soft spot. He got, um, you know, he doesn't stick his neck out for, uh, oh, what's the name of that actor? Peter Lorre. Reek! Reek! Save me! That was uncanny. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was Peter Lorre because Claude Rains plays Louis. I'm shocked, shocked to learn that there's gambling going on in this establishment yeah so anyway so but but humphrey bogart like uh so, you know there, there was that one scene uh where you guys have all seen casablanca right okay great movie my favorite movie a movie that should have been a mess um maybe on the waterfront brian May, no hunt for red october is not my favorite movie ever you told me in a private conversation that Spaceballs was your favorite movie, and now you're sounded so fancy in front of all these other people. Yeah, I'm just trying to impress the girls by liking a movie <laughs> made in 1941. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know your age. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I saw that for a dime at the cinema. <laughs> I drove the kids down to the movie house and 
Um, uh, you know, there's there's that one woman who um, Claude Rains was was trying to uh, get her to compromise her um, her marriage for exit visas, and uh, Rick makes sure that she wins at the roulette table, you know, and then. Claude Rains was, I, I, well, I, I'm, I have no doubt that uh, Emily and Tirza would view him as a serial rapist in the, in the, in the manner of Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. Do we want it? Do we want to get into that? Does anybody think? No, did did no, anybody watch Pepe? Has anybody ever watched a Pepe Le Pew, cartoon? And Unfortunately. That guy's cool. I want to be like that. <laughs> no, you don't. No, no, I was I was posing a rhetorical question, Emily. I know. At, oh, oh, and you were you weren't scolding me. You were answering rhetorically. No, no right. one, no one wants. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Okay. Well, and you know, you just. I, I don't know when you're dropping your school marm facade. I've read your I've read your pamphlet and I'm not interested in your temperance movement. <laughs> um, what are we gonna read next, you guys? I think we should watch a movie. That's a good idea. But I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> which, by the way, we can watch. We we can watch on Hulu. We could like bring the whole family and, and schedule a time and watch it together. Or uh, we could just, yeah, nah, that's probably a bad idea. Unless it's Hunt for Red October, in which case Brian's totally down with that. I uh, love that movie. It's one of Mrs. Winger's favorites. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> oh, you should what, see it. It's so good. Are you serious, Emily? I have no not an inkling of what that would be or even what it would look like on a cover. You're going to have to Google it before you finish it though, because it is movie stressful. <laughs> look, look, she's, she's already on a Thorazine drip because we've made her water because we've made her read Rex oh. out. Sean Connery. Ugh. All right. You don't like Sean? Okay, you know what? I'd like to I'd like to engage in the following exercise. Uh, Emily, I would like you to name three things that you like. Go. Lemon meringue pie. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Uh, who do you like? Do you, okay, how about this? You like Angela Lansbury? Well, I don't know what she does in her personal life. I like Jessica Fletcher. It wasn't a trick question because everyone knows that Angela Lansbury kicks dogs in her neighborhood. Duh. She might. She's a rich old white lady. She might kick dogs in her neighborhood. But she's I don't think she does. I think she does exactly what uh, uh, Jessica Fletcher. Jessica Fletcher does. Right. Yeah. Just rides a little bike. She okay. plays a really scary bad guy in um, 
The Manchurian Candidate, which is a terrific movie starring Frank Sinatra, King of Cool, and uh, who doesn't come across very well, by the way. I mean, I mean, Michael Kelly really takes him apart um, in this essay. Um, but uh, he was great in The Manchurian Candidate, also starring Lawrence Harvey and uh, what's her name? Uh, Angela Lansbury. And they were, I mean, it's a really good movie, but it's, uh, it was made in the early 60s, but it's very suspenseful. So I don't know if it's. I have a problem with spy movies. I can't remember them because I've seen The Mandarin Candidate, but even like when I'm in watching the movie, I can't remember what's happening. It just like evaporates off my brain. I can't follow it. So it'd be like I'd never seen it before. Okay, you, you said in a text to me earlier that you haven't read much mystery. Right. Is that a problem for you? Yeah, because it, it does. it's not as engaging for me. So I don't seek out mystery. I don't read, I read basically zero mystery. Okay, now th there are differences between the genres, right? So like a mystery is more like a whodunit. Somebody's yeah, dead, something got stolen, we got to find out who. Then yeah. there's suspense, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of like the Alfred Hitchcock movies. Like, Ooh, I don't know what's going on. But I do like that. There is tension <laughs> building inside of me. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't conflate. I do read occasionally a mystery, but I mean specifically spy movies, even James Bond movies. Sometimes I can't follow the plot. And well, I can I can I can watch the most complicated time travel movie and parrot it back to you exactly what happened. But I couldn't even tell you what happened to the last James Bond movie, honestly. Because there is no plot in a James Bond movie. I, actually, I'm kind of with Emily on that. Maybe one. that's maybe that's what it is. I I never understand why he's making the like. Why are you going to Thailand? I don't know. But we're here. He wants to wear it, a nice suit. And it looks out. fabulous, and I'm that's, all for seeing him in a nice all. suit. He's got to find the bad guy. So, yeah. Um, did, did you, Tirza, did you see Tenet? Yes. Do you want to explain it to the entire world? Yeah. Can you <laughs> parrot that thing back to me like I'm a five-year-old? Oh, it was so good, you guys. It was so good. I loved it, it was, so it, much. I, I liked it. Um, I, I did enjoy it, but I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch it again and probably a third time. Yeah. I think it will benefit from a rewatch. Mm-hmm. But it's like if Memento and Inception had a baby, it would be Tenet. Wow, that sounds great. <laughs> My brain is just fried listening to that. So, I don't think so, so next month, uh, Brian and Tirza will talk about Tenet. And Jeff and Emily will... Talk about things they hate and which irritate <laughs> them. And why they're in a per perpetual state of, of dysrhythmia. <laughs> you know you were you, you were talking about michael kelly and that reminded me of shattered glass the movie was he a character in that he was a character in that played by hank azaria oh no kidding mm -hmm. 
Michael Kelly, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I think he was a stout Irish fellow with a big head of hair, good head of hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Hank Azaria is, you know, not perfect, but okay. Yeah. What, 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 he, he worked at the New York Times for a while? No, he worked at uh, the New Republic. And that's what uh, uh, Stephen, oh, Glass, Stephen Glass wrote for the New, New Republic during his uh, scandal. Anybody, has anybody else seen this movie? I'm no. Googling it once again. I, I don't know. That's good. You've mentioned to me, to me a couple of times, and you're always surprised that I still haven't seen it. Shattered Glass? Shattered Glass. I thought the guy was, like, plagiarizing at the New York Times. No, you're, you're thinking of uh, somebody else um, who I can't remember. But, no, he was, he was, making, he was making up stories. Um, and uh, everybody at the New Republic was just amazed at the people he got, the stories he could find. And then it turned out that he was, this was all a sham. Oh, so Michael Kelly was the Patsy? Uh, he was an, he was the editor. Yeah, probably would have uh, Yeah, and, and he, you know, he was kind of, he, he defended him. Uh, he was got hung like out a, to dry? And he kind of got hung out to dry and he, you know, the whole thing went down. He was collateral damage. So it's a, it's a good movie. Shattered Glass. Not the one with Samuel L. Jackson. No, yeah. that's not a good movie. <laughs> uh, so I, I, haven't wrote, seen, I haven't seen the other one. I, I wrote I wrote the following in the style of John D. McDonald. I, I, I don't know if I don't know if I shared this with you guys. So I, I gotta I gotta try to uh, affect my best uh, Trav McGee voice. Prepare. Okay. For these were the quirky girls introverted and awkward, wearing oversized clothing that hid their perfectly adequate feminine forms, well-read and guarded, waiting for the other brown earth shoe to fall, about the hair they hate despite feigned ambivalence or the Coke bottle lenses in their glasses. These possessed a sense of humor that they try to conceal because men being dumb are put off by such an obvious display of intelligence but there is invariably the telltale roll of the eyes, the scoff, the wingspan wide shrug to say, exactly my point, you idiot. But I'd still hit it. No, that's not, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. That, nope. No. I mean, no. if you're going to do it, just complete it. Do it right. <laughs> well, well, I, I well, yeah, so. Uh, let's see. So, um, I just wanted to throw out there for anybody who's interested one mystery I read that I really liked because it was also uh, a time travel story called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. And that I could actually follow because it was convoluted and complex. So, Your brain is different from everyone else's, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you're, you're a quirky girl and you're not motivated by the seething hatred that so many of the quirky girls in my life are. 
That's true. Emily, I'm not necessarily talking about you. Okay, well, I feel like you are because uh, you just said I hate everything and then said that Al one. Elena, the other mystery-solving granny, isn't with us okay. Uh, today. Okay, she's a spewing bucket of hate. I'm crazy about her. Fantastic. Brian won't even let me talk to his daughter. She's so angry. Nope. You know, you know, you know a, nightingale, a nightingale can't sing until it hears other nightingales sing, right? And then once it does, it finds its voice and, and it sings beautifully. Brian's afraid that his daughter would like lock on to my, my excoriating negativity and, and just never stop singing. He's smart, um, smart move. <clears throat> Not so much a mocking jay, more like a jabber jay from the uh, <laughs> from the Hunger Games. Oh, those books are Jeff, good. You're more like the scalding fog. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Max. She was the old lady. Yep. Yeah, it was a tough beat. Uh, the uh, the little girl in the first one, I thought that was the saddest one. Rue? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was sad. She happened to be black. But that was the, that was, uh, man, those were good. I, I very much enjoyed those when I was a teenager. Way back when? Yeah, way back when. <laughs> So, um, did you guys read the books? No. Yes. Tears it did, in spite of the, in spite of how much better they would have been if there had been a convoluted time travel plot line. <laughs> oh man, if that would have been the the resolution at the end, go back and start over. Oh, top ten. So, so, did you like the? Did you, uh, Tears of This is only for you. I don't want, uh, I, I know Brian hasn't seen it and Emily's only going to be contemptuous. Uh, uh, Avengers Infinity War. What, what did you think of the yes. time? What did you think of the time travel? Uh, man, I have to watch it again. Uh, I liked it. I mean, I saw it coming. They, they had it all. <laughs> They had it all uh, lined up. I don't care. I mean, I just sit through Marvel things. I don't get overly emotional uh, or invested. And I just enjoy it for what it is. And then I move on. Kind of like James Bond movies. I, I am actually going to allow, I'm going to allow Emily into this because wh what do you have to say? Poker face. I got face. a lot to say. I got a lot to say. First of all, absolutely ludicrous that we just let Captain America go back to his sweetheart and just die. I think that is very dumb at the end because he goes back, you know. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, guys. Yes, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, so she's talking about 
Okay, you you just reference an entirely different movie. It's the same. It's it's one movie split in two. It's one six-hour movie. Yeah. Okay. Are they not watched together? What what did what what did you not like about that? What I'm Emily, you can't just shrug. It's a podcast. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm trying to get the words. It's just that like those movies are meant for us to have superheroes, and he basically at the end was just like, "Go find oh, you suckers." You just want another. You just want more Captain America. You're sad. No, you I don't even, Captain I America. actually think Captain America is probably the worst of all of them. But just the fact that he like gave up to not be an Avenger and like go back to he's some. The, he's the Superman analog, which is the Jesus Christ analog. You can't say Captain no, America is the worst. I think Captain America, Hulk, take or leave it. But I do hate that they just, he went back to a girl instead of, you know, wanting to be the hero. The love of it, I'm sorry, by a girl, you mean the love of his life? The love of his life or save the world. He, he saved the world save the and world. got the love of his life. What is the matter with you? Don't get you to have hate, both. Why do you hate a happy ending so much? What's wrong with you? What happened in your childhood? You don't get not both. held enough. I, apparently not. God, there's more daddy issues on this on this podcast than at the Sunday night shift at Hooters. Well, whatever. Also, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's true. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Not that I would know. <laughs> okay. Okay. So your whole thing. So like. 75 hours of Marvel movies and it's all a bunch of jive because Captain America goes back to Peggy what's her name? Peggy I also think it's kind of messed up that when they go back in time Thor like you know goes back to his mom and his mom pretty much is like I know it's about to happen don't say it I'm still gonna die so I think that's kind of dumb too but that's that's so the, what happens. So you the have time to accept things. The triple T. These are trifles in the time travel storyline, which which frankly are there to ring out a little sentiment, little little sentimentality. Renee Russo goes nobly to her death, the hands of the whatever the dark elf. It's also cheating that they go back in time to end the mission. I kind of think so too, but Tirza likes it. Okay, so sometimes they make movies for other people besides you and me, Emily. Okay, well, maybe they should do a remake. Yeah. Give it 10 years. Give it 10 years. Please, not even probably. (laughs) I don't want to do it again. I'm no thank you. Yeah, I think once was enough. I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and, and by the way, you didn't find it compelling, like when Captain America like cinches up his his shield and is like prepared to fight Thanos and every villain from the cosmos. No, that didn't do anything for you. Like I said, 
I'm not even a big fan of Captain America. Well, who's your favorite? I'd rather Avenger? him die than Iron Man. But do you, do you like the Wasp? You, are you a big no. Wasp fan? Who yeah. do you like? Spider Man. Spider Man. Cute Spider-Man. kid. Cute kid. Yeah. Spider-Man. And it's always nice to see Marissa Tomei get respectable work. Yeah. The only good Spider-Man is um, Tobey Maguire, and Aunt May is old in that one, so I don't really know. Wasn't Sally Field Aunt May in the first ones? By the way, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the Toby first the Tobey Maguire ones in a while, uh, those don't hold up at all. First of all, Tobey Maguire is a despicable <laughs> human being. Second of all, second of all. The Green Goblin looks like a Power Ranger. That is some that is some lame FX. Okay, but he's the only one that fits the Spider-Man persona of like the nerdy kid who no one likes and whatever. Andrew Garfield's a cool skateboarder who's got all the friends in the world, but he ends up to be Spider-Man. And the third guy, whatever his name, Tom Holland, he's great. No, he no. no. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's not even American. <laughs> Neither is Andrew Garfield, by the way. Yeah, so that's another issue I have, but the main point is that he's a cool okay. kid in high school. Okay, so your 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 main defense of Toby Maguire is rooted in nationalism. <laughs> that and he's he's not liked, which Peter not Parker old timing. <laughs> Hey, mister, I don't want to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there that'll give you $20 to sing into his can. <laughs> He's, yeah. uh, we should watch that. We should watch that. Oh, brother? Mm-hmm. We should Emily? do that for book club. Book club movie edition. That's fine. I'm still reading the Wikipedia page to the Hunt October thing. Hunt for Red October. I didn't scroll to the top of the page. The only words I can remember were Hunt October. (laughs) Alec Baldwin's in it, not looking good. Yeah, to be fair, young Alec Baldwin is different than the Alec Baldwin of today. And and yeah, he's he's Honestly, he's a good character in this movie. He's a good guy. And furthermore, I think that the the producers of the Jack Ryan movies in the '90s made a mistake by going with Harrison Ford. I think Alec Baldwin would have been, was better. Harry, Harrison I Ford, I mean, did some good stuff. He was a bigger movie star, and that's what they wanted. But Alec Baldwin did it better. Yeah. 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 Final word. Okay. As opposed to, I don't like Captain America, but he's American. I, that, yeah, but he's still dumb. <laughs> he's got a shield. He got put to sleep and then woken up. He's a tough guy. Eh. Next. Let me see some webs come out your hands. <laughs> 
Okay, and I liked I like Tom Holland's Spider Man because he's 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 an awkward teenager. I mean, he's he's um... he is younger than a teenager. He just plays the kid part too much. He's like an eight year old. But that's what Peter Parker is supposed to be in the comic books. He's supposed he's not to be—he's he, not eight years old. Yeah, I mean, we, no, we, but he's supposed to be young, and he's quite young. Even in the Avengers, he is very young. Yeah, and everyone's I think he, very protective of him. Yeah, he definitely looks the part more than Tobey Maguire. But Tobey Maguire has the fact that nobody likes him. So that because nobody likes him exactly, <laughs> and that's why he's Spider Man. Nobody likes Tobey Maguire either. So. And that's why he's he's cider man <laughs> did you make that up no i think no i i think that we covered this maybe in an earlier episode of managing expectations that when when that uh uh movie was re- reviewed or when it when it came out the original spider-man with toby mcguire people uh, the movie reviewers like I'm just not sure people are going to buy it that Tobey Maguire is the Spider-Man yeah. rather they're going to view him as the Cider-Man because of the Cider House rules because the Cider House rules yeah based on the John oh. Irving novel and the movie starred uh, Michael Caine as a as an abortionist right who also mm-hmm. had a boy's home something like that yeah uh, Charlie Theron I think was in that no, she was in uh, the prayer of Owen Meany. Uh, no, not Owen. Uh, she was. What was the John Irving um, adaptation where um, the mom dies? Because we're spoiling everything people might want to possibly read or view. I doubt it. People Charlie, like spoilers, Jeff. Not with that People attitude. like to be spoiled. Charlie Theron was in the Cider House Rules. Okay, uh, what what Ashley Judd I think was in a uh, John Irving movie adaptation. What was that? Piggy Sneed. Along, along came a spider. <laughs> Love at first sight. Double Jeopardy. Uh. Okay, so look, this episode of Managing Expectations <laughs> has been brought to us, brought to you, our listener, by Mrs. Winger.com, the maker of face coverings for style and hygiene. Uh, they are comfortable, effective and stylish uh, and affordable. Go to mrswinger.com, check it out. Also, All in a Dream Comics and Books in Denver, Colorado. Ray can be reached at area code 303-333-8616. We also uh, wanna give a shout out to our buddy Chris Levine who has got a heck of a podcast uh, some might think that he's uh, a little more focused and purpose driven than we are here at Managing Expectations uh, his new podcast is called 
refresher, a pop culture therapy pop podcast where he does like a little thing. He uh, used a Twilight Zone episode to uh, reason why you don't want to give your life over to uh, social media. Uh, yeah, he's got a nice way about him. He's a, he's a much he's a much more likable fellow than I am, and um, you know he's more engaging than Brian. And uh, um, so check him out. That's take the uh, best. Take the very best of managing expectations, and you have Chris Levine. Yeah, he also knows when to quit, unlike us. I was hoping that we could do ten more minutes <laughs> about some movie that came out in the '90s. Uh, the name escapes me at this time. Maybe we'll talk about it next time. Well, Tears just sent me a uh, a link to Simon Birch on. Uh, Wikipedia, because you wouldn't want to send that to everybody. That's it, going to be our little secret. I thought I did. So That's was that I did. Of, was oh you did. Uh, okay, good. So Simon, was that the name of the movie? Simon Birch. It's based yeah. on a John Irving novel. Okay, a 1998 American comedy drama, uh, loosely based on the novel Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving and directed and written for the screen by some guy. Uh, stars uh, Ashley Judd, Oliver Platt, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was in that? It omitted much of the latter half of the novel and altered the ending. Uh, the film does not share the book's title at Irving's request. He did not believe that his novel could successfully be made into a film. The name Simon Birch was suggested to him by him. Opening credits state that it was suggested by Irving's novel. Okay, so Simon Birch was born with dwarfism. Yeah, that sounds boring. And also, I think Ashley Judd dies in it. Just to just to stay with our our theme of spoiling, spoiling everything. Yeah, I was gonna watch that tonight. Oh, way to go! What uh, what are we doing next time that we can give our listeners something to look forward to? Well. Um, I need more than, okay, well, look, there was some, there's some stuff happened, okay? Like we lost power and we're in a battle of survival against the elements. I mean, essentially for four days last month when I was supposed to be reading Rex Stout, I was living a Jack London novel, okay? <laughs> Short story. I mean, I was like to build a fire. True facts. What? True facts. Yeah. That's today's lingo for older gentleman. Hey, <laughs> seems legit. Uh, so maybe we set our maybe so right, so. Do we want to watch a movie and talk about a movie? Sure. Okay. Uh, Emily Tirza. Okay, not Tirza because it's gonna be some stupid space travel thing, time travel thing. So uh, Emily. Oh, really? Are you offended? Really? 
<laughs> Why don't you have a glass of milk with Archie Goodwin and talk about the genius of Tennant? <laughs> I'm just going to talk to Brian about it later. Yeah, I, I mean, I shouldn't really be any suggestion suggestion box here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest Batman. Yeah, with no, because you just want to sit in the cheap seats and hate everything. You can't what about see Batman uh, with Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy? Uh-uh. Yeah, see? That was not Clooney's fault. It the was not Clooney's fault. I love fault. everybody else hates. That director was terrible. Joel Tim Schumacher Burton? was terrible. Oh. He, he did he did uh he did St. Elmo's Fire, which was yeah. terrible. It was supposed to be the movie of my generation. It was just a piece of self-indulgent piece of crap. And Demi Moore tries to kill herself, you know how? By opening the windows to her Georgetown apartment and getting cold. She's gonna kill herself by like dying by exposure. What's that take? Like 72 hours? I mean, how long does it take to die of exposure? Especially when like all your friends, including Rob Lowe with the dangly earring are, are outside willing to, you know, climb up the fire fire uh, escape and bust down the front door. Is so, I hate, so, I hate so we so we won't do Samos, so we won't do San Almost Fire. <laughs> yeah, that's like an interesting detour. <laughs> that's off the table. What about the women? Uh, it's like in 1930, 40. I can't remember when it was done. Maybe the 40s. It's a George Cukor uh, film. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Winger and I had just watched that. Uh, in the oh, last, really? Yeah, in the last uh, year. There's a great line in it um, where uh, like the like the mom of Irene Dunn or somebody mm -hmm. says, and it's so fabulous to sleep alone. You just spread out on the bed like like a swastika <laughs> <laughs> whoa didn't see that one coming graham unbelievable well i think that's a good suggestion uh it was a good movie but i think that these two could have trouble getting their getting a hold of it do you did you find the dvd somewhere tears up yeah yeah. yeah, I have the DVD. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure the other two uh, have yeah. that. Okay. Don't you stream everything? Who, me? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you, you still have a VCR? Do you still have a, v do you still have a VCR? Because I know a guy who's got some VHS tapes. Absolutely not. Do I have a No. What is this, 2003? More like 1932 with this guy. <laughs> I'm going to run over and pick up some schoolboys to have lunch with Nero Wolf in my roadster. Is, is the VCR the thing with like the big horn on the end of it? Is that a VCR? No, that's yeah. every car in Texas. Uh, um, all right, look, we will have a book or a movie to dissect in a month or so, okay? 
a lot going on. Everybody's got lives, but uh, uh, my best efforts to quit the Managing Expectations podcast have been thwarted by people who tell me it's good for my uh, psychology. Uh, you, listener, can be the judge. Pregnant pause. What up? Oh, uh, Archie Goodwin said something about hi hats. Oh, well, maybe later. <laughs> I liked. I liked. Uh, I would read another Rex Stout novel. I mean, it's you know, it's not something I, I you know I don't need to read like all seventy five of them, but uh, you know. I, I think I think it was a win. Fair to Lance was a win. What does Brian like to read? Books about what submarines. You... Books about submarines. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, tears. I like spy stuff in mm -hmm. uh, um, guys who know how to find things and charge people lots of money to get them. Like, do they they like half? Half? What? What's that? What's do, that? Do the guys who find them do they keep half? They keep half. Yeah, it's a good way to make a living. I wish I had that skill. <laughs> yeah. So you like Trav McGee? No, no, no. Of course not. <laughs> wow, you. <laughs> You really followed the breadcrumbs on that one. Well, it took me a minute. <laughs> Say, wait a minute, fellas. Wait a second. That sounds a lot like the Travis McGee plot. Long day. Good night, nurse. All I know is I'm standing right here. Should we do something kind of Texas? Texas-centric? Um, Larry McMurtry? Mm, that could be a bummer. You know what? His, uh, his book, Horsemen Ride By, or Pass By, something like that, was the uh, uh, source material for the Paul Newman movie, HUD, which uh, came out in the early 60s, and that movie was a bummer. <laughs> I'm reading um, his uh, book of essays about driving across the country, Larry McMurtry's. What's it called? Book of essays. Driving. Roads. It's called Roads. Okay. And um, he mentioned Missouri one time. And I keep thinking of you every time I think about when he talked about Missouri one time. That um, it's best, it's a place best passed through and not thought too much about. So while that hurt my heart, I thought of you many times. <laughs> uh, I don't hate Missouri the way I hate Oregon, if that makes you That's feel That's true. Yeah. That does make me feel a little better. Of course, I don't hate North Korea the way I hate Oregon. <laughs> Another disapproving stare from, from Emily. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, are, are you afraid that that's going to hurt our, our demographics in North Korea or, or Oregon? Yeah. And anybody who's listened to the managing expectations for any amount of time knows how much Jeff hates Oregon. So 
What about Portlandia? Uh, I started watching it. They don't hate, they don't really hate Portland. They kind of like it. Right. But that song and dance number in the beginning of the first one about the 90, spirit of the 90s is alive in Portland, that is hilarious. And that's totally true. Um, but, but Fred Armisen's a weird guy. And um, what's the other, what's the chick's name? Carrie Brownstein? I don't know. I usually call her Freda because she, she looks like Fred. So Freda. That's how I refer. Freda. <laughs> she looks like Fred who? I think they look like brother and sister. So I just oh. add an A to it. And Fred and Freda. Fred and okay. Freda. Yeah. So she, uh, she was in a band uh, called Slater Kinney, which is like a town in, on the I 5 corridor between Seattle and Portland. Someone who hates Oregon so much knows a lot. Yeah. I pay attention. Know mm -hmm. your enemy. Okay. It's a thing. Okay. So you lived there for a while. I lived How there for three years, there? one month, and eight days. <laughs> Hated Anything every else you need to know? <laughs> you know what, though, I think I think I think that the when I told the story about the ice storm of '96, which presaged the great flood of '96, uh, I think that was that was a pretty good story. That that went pretty well on a couple podcasts ago. Really, it was the last one that was played because we still haven't hung the one with Levine. Just saying. All right. Well, anyway, we can take care of some of this off. Uh, Emily, thank you very much for joining us. As always. Tirza, thank you so much for your positivity. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for and, having me. And, and your fangirl geeking out to all things time travel related. Every time. So I know you'll spend the rest of the evening on the holodeck visiting the characters of the Rexed Out Mysteries, the Nero Wolf Mysteries. <laughs> Brian, you really stepped up your game with the ladies uh, today. Uh, you said 25 words, more than doubling your uh, Deep blue goodbye total. Looks like I've frozen. Is that true? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I so just, I just thought you were thinking about you. You were afraid of saying something misogynistic, and so you weren't going <laughs> to. No, you know, I'm I'm wading into the water, and uh, the water's the water's okay. So splashing around a little. Yeah, yeah. Just looking forward to next time. Very much so. Uh, we want to thank All in a Dream. We want to thank Chris Levine and uh, the Refresher podcast. We want to thank, as always, Mrs. Winger Makes Masks at mrswinger.com. Uh, this has been episode uh, maybe 49. Next time will be episode 50. That will be epic. We're getting real close to, we're getting real close to the one year anniversary of when we published, so okay, really exciting. Well, considering how many we missed, mostly because of my um, failing uh, state of mental health, uh, that's pretty remarkable. So- Pretty good. Yeah, we look forward to that. Okay, this has been uh, Managing Expectations. Thanks for, uh, uh, oh, you know what? I was, I was thinking about a new thing. Instead of uh, ending it with uh, 
let's go to work, which is how Brando ends on the waterfront. I was thinking of uh, either ending it with like a Bruce Springsteen quote or a Warren Zevon quote. Let's go to work. Uh, 